looked and behold, the heavens were opened. A ninth season. <laughs> we believe in the Trinity. We believe in the five solas. We believe in the doctrines of grace. A lot of the time, people are asking the wrong questions. They're not asking questions like, do I understand God's grace? Do I understand the cross? single one of us has our own ministry. It doesn't matter if you work as a CEO or you work at McDonald's or whatever you do, or whether you're quote unquote in ministry, you have a ministry. As we mature, we walk, we, we enjoy our relationship with God as much as we see his majesty in the blessings that we have just by what Yeshua has done for us, not by what we have done to impress God and then get something from him. So faith, but, so, so salvation by faith. Absolutely. Salvation by faith. I keep zeroing in on these, you know, the big ideas, like what is biblical love? You know, what is, what is grace? Do I have an accurate understanding of God's grace? Our love for Yeshua, but his love, like through us is why we're doing what we're doing. And that's why it's called Messiah Matters. September 7th, 2022. This is Messiah Matters number 400. Uh, How did that in happen? In commemoration of 400 shows, Rob will be shaving his head during the broadcast. <laughs> My name is Caleb Haig. <laughs> Not prepared. Not prepared to do that. Although, admittedly, I need a few hairs cut on this old noggin. I'm Rob Stranoff. That's true. Here with Caleb, show 400. That's like... 400. Uh, that's like 400 shows, man. That's like 400 hours at least of programming content. That it's a lot of stuff. Inter- it's a lot of stuff. If we have However, 400 you know, viewers, as I re- as is there I refl- anybody who has seen every show? That's what oh, I yeah. want to know. Yes, there is. Really? Yeah. As I reflect back though, you know, we've had some pretty big duds. <laughs> I remember one time we did a show from the uh, from the airport coming back from. We've done several shows from the airport coming back from ETS and SBL. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but just production quality. Like, yes, I've learned a lot. 
the, what's interesting is that I think I could actually, this whole thing could be mobile at this point. I'm, I'm fairly confident I could this, take this. This in. whole thing could be AI. You and I might not even exist. Th these could be computer Esoteric, man. that some alien created and inserted just for the sake of propaganda. It's all part of the, of it's all part of the agenda. Read all about it in the Zohar. Uh, we're going to get speaking, to, speaking of which, <laughs> yeah, we're going to get to some of that. First, I want to say, uh, our new producers, Kyle Ripley and Levi Mitchell, uh, I have not forgotten about you guys. Uh, however, I'm going to put you in our, uh, well, hang on just a sec. First of all, where are my producers? They're there. I'm going to put you in my, um, producers for the fall credits. So you will come up in the fall credits and I apologize. You're not up there yet. I've been busy. Uh, that's not a good excuse, but uh, you will have your full producer credit uh, given to you, no doubt. And you're getting extra airtime because we're mentioning it, right? So there you go. Um, yeah, what else do we want to say before we jump in? I mean, 400 shows, it's a big milestone, right? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Favorite moments? Do you have a favorite moment? My favorite moment is right now uh, when we're recording. You're living in the talking. moment, man. You're living in the moment. That's that's nice. That's great. I think I'm trying to think. A couple of my favorite shows that we've that we did. Um, I think the the Hoff goes off. That was <laughs> that was a favorite moment of mine for sure. Um, yeah, and you might hear that at some point. Um, I also, for some reason, I really enjoyed doing the study on Sinaiticus. That was a really fun study for me. Now, whether or not the show related that. Uh, obviously the, the interview with Brant Petrie was, I think the, not only the most viewed show that we've ever done, but, uh, it is, it is, oh, is it? Nice. Yeah, it's probably one of the best, uh, Dr. Tilling, Chris Tilling. We did a great interview with him, didn't we? <laughs> dude, that dude is so funny. That's oh my been, word. Man, I wonder if we should, could we do it's another like, one? It's one Just of those, you. he's one of those guys where what's like, Tilling up to kind of thing. Well, he's one of those guys where he's a professor of, of new Testament uh, studies. He's written a bunch of books. He's a dynamite. Like he's this juggernaut scholar, but he also lives in England and he's in, and in he's England, a dad, right? In, he's a, yeah. He's, he's a, a dad family too. Guy. And in, in England, like the, the uh, swear words are not necessary. At least this is how I'm taking it because he, like he, bombs and there's yeah. some profanity in his, in his, in his Facebook posts, but man, are they hilarious? Oh my word. They are really funny. Okay. Um, yeah. So we've had some good shows. I think another, as, as weird as this might sound to people, I think one of another, one of my favorite, uh, explorations in our show was when we looked into the into the copper scroll project uh, oh yeah that was that that, that i was remember emailing i never got a square answer from was it in 119 yeah that i'm like like who translated this well like whoever made this video doesn't know what they're talking about i'd like to it, just you know find like, out it, like where they think they well it's like it's like it's, it's, it's like, like it's like asking ffoz who translated their did okay they changed the subject yeah. Oh, look, a squirrel. Anyway, okay. Um, so before we get started... Why are you so mean? Yeah, why are it's we like so mean? It's like they flip it back. Who's no, it? Who, like, who, you asked me it? who translated the book I, I published and I'm selling. And you're mean. And, and I'm saying, why are you so mean? You're not a loving brother. All right. All right. Okay, Those we'll shows stop. are in the past and you can go see them on Torah Resource. Some of them are hidden. Listen to them on Torah Resource. Most of them are not now. We've actually, on our YouTube channel, 
uh, Messiah Matters, you can find all of our past shows, including the Messiah Matters. In fact, we were accused of hiding some of our our past shows because we were ashamed of them or we had repented of them or something like that. So uh, to prove that that was not the case, we unhit all of them. Uh, 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. Be a part of the uh, next 100 videos by uh, shooting us uh, messages and telling us what to talk about. You can also send us an email, chegatorresource.com. It's C-H-E-G-G at torresource.com. And you should subscribe to this YouTube channel. Uh, whether or not you love us or hate us, you should still do that so that you can see when new videos come out. And we are doing a new series on Fridays now called Mystery Bible Theater 3000. Uh, we had fun last time, but we're going to have even more fun this time. We'll see if we can have a Hoff Goes Off moment this Friday. Uh, we're going to try. It'll be interesting. Okay. Uh, with all of that said, we've been diving into an email that we got from Lois. Lois is a good friend of ours. She joins us every once in a while at ETS and SBL. Um, she has been a, yeah, just a, a very good student at Torah Resource Institute. She is well-versed in her Greek and Hebrew. Now that I've talked her up, I'm just going to read her email. This is what she says. She says, there's quite a discussion in the Reformed Torah group. Uh, that's a, So for those who might not know, there is a Facebook group for Reformed uh, Torah Observant Believers. And uh, it's on Facebook. And uh, yeah, so that's what she's re referring to. So there is quite a discussion in the Reformed Torah group looking for a way to refute a flood of claims for Hebrew New Testament manuscripts. Now, let's pause right there. We talked about this recently. I think it was maybe four shows ago or something like that. We talked about Hebrew primacy theory, and uh, we we kind of went through some of the reasons why we, we just disagree with it. You can go back and look at that. We're not going to touch on the same claims. Uh, but Lois brings up a very specific uh, person and book. And she says, apparently this book, she screenshots it for us and leaves us a link, uh, recently released is stirring it up. At least the guy has some education. So maybe the messies that is the Messianics, but the Messies are looking for credentials finally. Okay, so the person that uh, in question, Dr. Al Garza. Now, I don't. I had never heard of Dr. Garza before. He uh, his bio is is quite lengthy. Um, let's see here. Do I have his bio up? He is a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. That uh, is that's impressive. I don't care who you are. That's impressive. Um, on, anyway, okay. on that background alone, we should trust anything he has to say about the Yes, fire. of course. Um, the, the, yeah. And, and that's actually what I was going to say. You know what? I'm impressed and I am, uh, I, I tremble at the might of any Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Uh, legitimately, that's not a joke, but at the same time, um, that does not have any bearing on his, uh, on his biblical knowledge. However, he does, and I'm going to read his bio here because I, I want to uh, show people that this gentleman, Dr. Garza, actually does have, I, I hope I'm saying that right, <clears throat> and I might not be, and I apologize if I am uh, mispronouncing that, but uh, this is what his bio says. Dr. Garza has been a student of the Bible for over 30 years and is an independent research scholar. Al Garza's education includes a PhD in biblical studies from the DOD University's wiselearn.gov and nrd.gov vendor graduate program. I have no clue what that is. <clears throat> And I apologize for anyone who has gone through that. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I can't speak to that one way or the other, but uh, it, it, uh, it looks like it's a government-funded program uh, for people who are getting education. 
Uh, and, and sometimes it's sometimes I don't know if this is it, but I I know people who've done that for Arabic. They do intensive training. I think it's down in Monterey or something. There's one in the states anyway where you do intensive language oh, training, language studies. Sure, yeah, for for military purposes, and then there's ways to continue that. You know, sure. That kind like, of, uh, uh, the bio. The bio goes on, it says, he also completed Bar-Alan University's Biblical Archaeological Program and the Associate Scholar Program in Linguistics Context of the Bible. With 180 hours of biblical linguistic training from Hebrew University's Institute of Biblical Studies, Israel, which included the study of, of biblical Hebrew, Aramaic, and New Testament Greek. Dr. Al Garza is also cert certified with 120 hours in Jewish studies, Hebrew studies, and New Testament Jewish studies from the Israel Bible Study Center in Israel. Okay, so all of this to say, I don't know, if I'm, I'm guessing that the 180 hours and the 120 hours is a reference to quarter hours, which means, I mean, if, if that's a reference to quarter hours, then certainly Dr. Garza has done uh, quite a bit of work. There, there's no doubt about that. That's a, that is a lot of quarter hours, if, if that's uh, what it is a reference to. And that would be equivalent, I would say, to a PhD for sure. So I'm not doubting uh, Dr. Garza's uh, education. It, uh, it seems as though he has, has done some very uh, hard work. So with all of that said, um, what does that say about uh, the work that he is doing now? Well, uh, yeah, the, to the me, I, well, here's the thing: you could have, you could have three PhDs, you know. But if you write what this guy's writing on his thing, like, like, it's like, show me the money, right? Okay, so you know and, I mean, and, and, I, there's, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of people have PhDs that I read their book and I'm like, this, this people, person people was gonna, scammed. This person yeah, was this person. <laughs> people are going to say that we're talking out of two sides of our mouth because we always push higher education. I think that anyone and everyone who is serious about the Bible should consider getting some education in the in biblical uh, in the biblical realm. Whether that's languages, whether that's history, whether it's um, church history, uh, church fathers, it doesn't matter. I think that that uh, education in biblical matters is always good. And I think honestly that uh, the people who are are buying this stuff hook line and sinker are people who are not thinking uh critically and my hope is is that people who go and get some higher education will be able to think critically now uh dr garza however is doing work which i i assume he thinks is is very legitimate and when when we listen to i actually have some video of him talking about this project when we listen to him, he's very sincere about it, so I don't doubt his sincerity. However, this is this is a uh, <laughs> yeah. This is this is simply what's his not, doctorate. Uh, what's his doctorate? I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. It didn't it didn't say. Um, but uh, here's the first here's the first thing that tipped me off. So on on this book, like what's his, I mean, like when someone says it's like what's their dissertation? Like what did they argue? I want to know this because because there's diploma mills. What, what was your thesis? What, what was the topic? Who was your, who was your advisor or who did you, who was the committee that you had to defend it? Um, let me read it. Let's like publish your dissertation dissertation. Let's like now see. That, but, okay. Hang on just a sec. But that, but that doesn't mean that. Cause that that's the work. That's the product. The question is not that, not how many years you went to a school. The question is what are you, what did you produce? Okay, but how did but you even, contribute? Right, but there are plenty of people with doctors out there who we're going to disagree with. Uh, Heiser would be a great, uh, great example. Heiser's no joke when it comes to, or even Bart Ehrman, right? 
I mean, these guys have done legitimate work in biblical studies. However, we strongly disagree with them, right? So, I mean, just because just because a person has education doesn't mean that they're no, no, right. No, but that's that's. But but you can look up Heiser, you can look up Erman, uh, you can look up those guys. You could see what their dissertation was, sure. Who their who was their committee? What in other words, you you put context, like what institution was it? Who was your advisor? Like, this is common practice. Like, if you go to SBL and there's someone who's a PhD, you could ask them those questions and they'll say, oh, here it is. Right? Right. Because usually people take pride in this the education that they had. And so they'll they'll say, yeah, this was my teacher. This was my, these. Well, maybe, were, maybe Dr. Garza is uh, willing to do that. I, you know, I don't, I don't know. Well, what you were reading does, it sounds like a maze of, it's like a jungle of, you know, smoke. I, okay, let's move to like, the work. <laughs> let's move to the work itself. Hebrew Gospel of John, translated from eleven Hebrew manuscripts. Now, this is the big claim: eleven Hebrew manuscripts. Let's read this updated. Uh, uh, you now, the first thing that that tipped me off to this being uh, fishy at best is that it says by Doctor Al Garza. Edit, author, editor, translator, and James Scott Trim, translator. Anybody who throws, I mean, guilt by association, anybody who throws their hat in with people like Trim, you know that you're going to get some some uh, off the wall stuff uh, for sure. But this is what the uh, this is what the introduction says, or the the uh, description on the Amazon page says. The first edition of the Hebrew Gospel of John is from eleven Hebrew manuscripts. Oh my word, big claims. Discovered at the National Library of Israel, scholars have not studied the manuscripts because the manuscripts were not previously known to the public until now. Wait, wait, which, which scholars? <laughs> Any scholars, scholars. Scholars have not studied the manuscript. Okay, this is not this is not somebody like the kind of PhD that I'm talking about that shows that somebody knows how to like do work. They wouldn't just say that. Scholars have not studied the manuscripts. Well, how did they get into the the National Library of Israel? These are all questions that need to be. Hang on, let's let's keep going. Let's keep going. A collection of about four thousand plus Hebrew New Testament manuscripts that contain the entire New Testament is currently being translated in English. The Gospel of John will contain the textual variants from eleven manuscripts of John. It will also include the Hebrew names and places from the Hebrew manuscripts. Also included is a modern Hebrew translation with transliteration. This is the first e- uh, eclectic critical okay, edition okay, wait, of the wait, Hebrew wait, Gospel wait, of John. Wait. Sorry, Caleb. We got to. I have collected about four thousand Hebrew New Testament manuscripts. A collection. He doesn't say I. He says no, a no, collection no, of about yeah. four thousand plus. No, I'm looking at introduction. One, two, ah, three, four. Yes. Fourth line down, all the way in. I have collected. Does that mean he has his own, like, museum? Does he have his own archive with four thousand Hebrew New Testament manuscripts? He says well, he has see, collected them. Here, here's the thing is that I don't look, I understand where you're going with this, but at the same time, <clears throat> none of that, all of that is, is neither here nor there. And the reason why is because, okay, I'm going to believe uh, Dr. Garza. No, that he hasn't he, collected them. Okay. Is he a, is he a manuscript collector? It, I, I, once again, I think you're focusing <laughs> on the wrong stuff, man. I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but I think you're focused on the wrong thing. And, and the reason why, why is, is because the, why is it the wrong thing? 
Because the, the point is, 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 okay, do I believe that he has manuscripts? Obviously, he's working off something. I don't believe he owns, I don't believe he has collected 4,000 manuscripts. Okay, but the, but the point is, is that obviously he's translating something, right? Yeah, he's translating from the, and you can see it on the cover of the book. Those are micro, uh, what do you call it? Those are the uh, microfish, what do you call it? It's, it's images that someone else has scanned and put on the internet through the National Library of Israel. Well, the biggest the biggest thing to me right here is look, anybody can say that they collected so, that they collected manuscripts. They, but look, I have right here collected a huge amount of Hebrew manuscripts right here. Look at that. Look at that. Now does this mean that that this says anything about the 1st century writers? Or, or the writers of the 14th century BCE, because this is a Tanakh? No, of course not. It doesn't, because this was translated in, the, in like, what, 2011 or something like that? The point, the point is, is that he says right here in his introduction, the Hebrew manuscripts are dated after the 9th century. So then what are we talking about? Way after that. that I would challenge him of his 4,000, how many are earlier than the 13th century? But the okay, fair, I think that ninth. I'm with my, you. My, that ninth century is a. It's arbitrary. That's a, that is a. A legitimate scholar would support the claim. It to make that claim makes it sound like he's got Hebrew manuscripts that are potentially as early as the ninth century. And I, right here, I, I would say that he's full of it. Well, here's the thing is that is that we, we have, have Arabic manuscript. We have Arabic manuscripts yeah. of the Gospels uh-huh. that are probably sixth or seventh century. Oh, so actually, but I, do we go to, around arguing that Luke wrote the Gospel in Arabic? I, I mean, I feel the half going off here, but I was uh, going to say this. The, is just, I was I was going to say the same thing about the about the Codex Beza. Co- Codex Beza is is half Latin on one side and then the other side is Greek. We don't argue that because you have a four and a half, like from the fourth to fifth century manuscript of Beza, that that Luke was written in, in, in uh, what am I trying to say here? Uh, Latin, right? Yeah. It wasn't written in Latin, even though we have a, a, a manuscript from the fifth century. So th- the fact that he's got manuscripts from supposedly the ninth century, probably later, but let's just take it. Let's just pretend that all of the manuscripts that he has are from the ninth century. Let's pretend that for a second, which yeah. I would never, never say. Let's pretend that. So what? You no, have. So tra- here's his point. This is the next question. Some Hebrew manuscripts appear to be translated from other languages, such as Aramaic, Greek, or Latin. Other Hebrew manuscripts seem to come from an earlier Hebrew source and not another translation. This is. This kind of thing, like it seems to come from an earlier Hebrew source. Show me yeah, the receipts. You, yeah, you'd you, need you'd need to you need to show that you, for sure. What you're doing, what you're doing, this this is for tickling ears. This is yeah. written for tickling ears, and people are falling for it. Oh, it seems to be an ancient Hebrew manuscript of the Gospel of John. Ah, oh. well, let's listen to uh, Doctor uh, Garza himself talk about this now he he has just said in this video we're going to listen to this but he has just said that they're uh, that he's translating for 4000 he's collected 4000 manuscripts and that they are some of them are fragments some of them are full books um and if they're full books what does that tell you they're way late 
right? I mean, you're talking 11th century, 12th century. Anyway, well, later than that. They're, here's well, they're uh, going to be products. They're going to be they're going to be products of Catholic translators. Right. You got to realize this by the probably 12th, 13th century, we have Latin translations of like Talmudic passages, right? You have, you have, uh, by the 14th century, you have Latin translations of the Zohar. Right. Okay. Or, or passage because the Zohar wasn't a complete book yet, but you have sections of stuff that was circulating in the rabbinic midrashic world of the Zohar in Europe being translated into Latin. And you have, and that's why a lot of these manuscripts are Vatican. See, he says he's collected them. He hasn't collected them. They're in the Vatican. You, you've never seen it with your own eyes. You're looking at these kinds of screen grabs or what do you call it? High res scans that these libraries put online that anybody can look up. Sure. It, it's it. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the, my ultimate point, though, is, is that you're talking about very late manuscripts. And by the time the ninth century comes around, which I would, I would be very suspicious if he found more than a couple of, of Hebrew manuscripts from the ninth century, but maybe he did. The, the, that's not the point here. The point is, is by the ninth century, you have manuscripts of, of biblical uh, texts well, say I would all throw down different the, languages. I would throw down the gauntlet. I, I challenge this guy to produce a 10th century manuscript. Forget the ninth. 10th century manuscript of any gospel or epistle, any New Testament text that is in Hebrew, produce it, show it. Let's see it. Don't don't hide behind these challenge extended. Don't, don't hide behind these kinds of weak uh, things that are to tickle people's ears. Okay, let's listen to uh, Doctor Garza talk about uh, these manuscripts. And this is a pretty quick jump that we get from all of a sudden I have some Hebrew manuscripts to clearly the New Testament was written in Hebrew. But these are manuscripts that have been handwritten by Jewish scribes, uh, you know, copying or translating the New Testament. So it's fascinating because now that we have these manuscripts, which prior to, to finding them, they, they were even, they were unknown to even have existed uh, in academia. In fact, a lot of scholars would tell you that they, that they never survived if they ever, if they ever did exist or they were uh, just, just didn't exist at all. Everything was originally written in Greek and that's it. Well, now we know these are outdated, uh, you know, academic thoughts and beliefs concerning uh, what we know now about the New Testament being written and translated and copied into Hebrew. Okay, so how are these outdated claims? You have, you, I mean, once again, you have very late manuscripts from the ninth century or beyond. The claims, once again, if, I'll tell you what. If somebody produces a first century or even a second century manuscript, I'm not talking like a word in Hebrew. I'm talking like a manuscript of one of the gospels. And it's proven that, that uh, this was the original text, which obviously it couldn't be proven because it's obviously original that it was in Greek. But it, then I, I would be happy to say, great, it was written in, in Hebrew. But that has not happened. And uh, it still hasn't no, happened. This, and no what this guy, what yeah. this guy's doing is is not that he's jumping on the the 
the craze that followed, particularly with like George Howard in the 80s and 90s, who published um, the Evan Bohan Hebrew Matthew. And what you what it did, it created in the the faux messianic world. Ooh, like people who are like messianic oh, world. Yeah, yes, I remember. Like, who is the guy? Me, me, uh, messianic Israel Alliance kind of thing, you know? Um, Nehemiah Gordon. These people jumped on this: the Hebrew Jesus or the Hebrew right. Yeshua versus the right. Greek Jesus. Right. This guy is just—he's just jumping in with fresh claims to capitalize on that. that Are market. they fresh? That claims? market is still I, that. That market is still present. I don't think that they're, they're fresh claims. People have been saying this. I mean, no, okay, you're right. You're, you're not. It's, you're it's not the there, same old thing. Not. Listen, it's, no. but there's new sizzle. That he's yeah, yeah, there's new yeah, sizzle. Yeah. He turned the stake, and all of a sudden, it's. And he's not claiming to be pulling from the Evan Bohan. He's claiming, oh, we have all this stuff. And Nehemiah Gordon has been doing this for a couple of years now. The secret Vatican Gospels. Oh, yes. And this kind that, of that, stuff. That no one will ever show us. Um, by Shameless the way. Plug, so- I did a, a Rob on the Rock video on that, on the this one of these groups. And, and it's just, yeah. Listen, okay. So here's the thing is that I want I want to... Here is now. Once again, I'm not trying to say that uh, that uh, Dr. Garza doesn't have education or anything like that. But this is the the level of work that he's doing. Okay. Now I want I just want you to to this is the uh, not level. I shouldn't say level of work. This is the kind of work that he's doing. Listen to what he has done. This is a book that he wrote called Epistles for the first time in print. Dun, 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 the Epistles, Hebrews through Jude, Volume 7 in KJV English, Greek Majority Text, and Hebrew Modern Hebrew with transliteration, including a rabbinic source commentary with almost every verse from Talmudic scholars, Jewish writings, and others. This language study Bible will take you through the Epistles and their teachings in connection with the rabbis of their day and beyond. Okay, stop right there. First of all, we don't have any writings from the rabbis of their day. The the earliest thing that we have would be the Mishnah. Oh, this, would be, this reeks of James Trim. It, it does reek of this James Trim. This is James Trim, what, 25 <laughs> yeah. years ago? Well, obviously, this, it's James Trim now. I mean, the, 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 yeah, yeah, this is... Yeah. Don't buy. I'm just going to tell people to, you, you have precious few breaths. <laughs> like we, like we talked about on our, what was it? Mystery Bible theater 3000. Right. Uh, pilot episode. And you have limited resource. You have limited time. You have limited money. Unless you're, unless you're a billionaire with nothing else to do. And even if you are a billionaire believer in Yeshua with nothing else to do, Still don't buy this. Still don't. This is a waste of your time. Okay, but hang, hang I would on. say hey. you are better off to invest whatever hours or whatever attention you would go into this rabbit trail, learning Hebrew, actually okay. learn Hebrew, learn the Bible better rather okay, so than. I'm with you these, completely. These, these, these are lost. These, these are roads that do not lead to edification of the church. Why? I would say this. If someone wants to say, look, we, we have, here's a, you take manuscript by manuscript. We found a, I'm going to give this guy the huge benefit of the doubt. Here's a 10th century fragment in Hebrew of the gospel of John done 
under proper supervision, that could be an SBL article. That could be, you could, you could, you could publish something that would contribute to the academic world in a way that everybody go, wow, you've, you've properly cared, you know, identified the manuscript's origin, the limits of what we can know about it and what we do know about it. You've compared the scribal hand with other texts and been able to figure out, you know, geographically or, or historically where the scribe was probably trained by the way they write their letters. Um, you've compared it with other translations of the gospel of John. You've maybe speculated on how that particular Jewish scribe came to care about a gospel of John, right? That that's the kind of thing that would be beneficial and actually contributes to knowledge that benefits everybody. But when you, but what he's doing, he's, he's bypassing that kind of labor and instead presenting it as a, uh, oh, this is a big reveal. Yeah. First time in print, we're going to teach you what the rabbis say about the gospel, you know, the epistle of the Hebrews or Jude. It's, it's, it's more of the same nonsense. I got to say, man, I don't know how this guy is producing so much, but he, he really has produced a, a significant amount of, uh, of, of books. Sefer Press seems to be his publishing company. Uh, he has books like One Trinity, Reexamining the Nature of God from Genesis to Revelation. Um, more than a rabbi, the word who became flesh, Jesus in the New Testament, Hebrew texts. He's got one on Leviticus, uh, KJV, KJV, Hebrew, paleo Hebrew with transliteration. Yeah, this is uh, 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 Calvinism challenged how the Hebrew Bible, Jewish sources, Jesus, the apostles and Paul refute Calvinism. Anyway, all of, all of this to say this, okay. Um, to, to, to me, there is a uh, there is a market I think for people who b- believe that you can read the Zohar and the Talmud and the Mishnah and all of these books back into the first century. And I think that these guys Scott Trim, uh, Scott Trim, yeah Scott Scott Trim and uh, and Garza, I think that these guys are are in that camp. I don't think that they're legitimately trying to, I, I don't believe that these guys are over there wringing their hands saying, ha I'm going to trick everybody. They genuinely believe it. I watched some videos by Trim this morning, just in preparation for this, just to, just to remember. And I got to say the guy, tr- the guy has, has drank the Kool-Aid. And I mean that like he has really, really, he really believes the nonsense that he's peddling. And it seems as though Garza also is is believing that as well. However, those of you who watch this show and those of you who have uh, who have critical thinking on their side should know that books like uh, trying to examine the uh, epistles of Hebrews through Jude uh, from the Zohar is absolute nonsense. It doesn't. It doesn't. And so. As we look at these books and as we look at what at what has been produced by Dr. Garza, if you are in that camp and you want to read that stuff, that's up to you. However, um, the the notion that believers would see this see his new book and say, "Oh wow, the the New Testament must have been written in Hebrew." Uh, just look at his other works. See the kind of work that he's produced. I I would I would strongly uh, question 
any claims that uh, that come from Trim or from Garza. That's what I would say. I'm not I'm not questioning their his education or anything like that. I'm saying that I just don't. I have not bought into that Kool Aid. I have not drank that Kool Aid, and I don't think you should either. Okay, let's move on. What do you say? You done, or do you need do you need to go off a little more? I, I would say I would want to point out one more thing for just go as for an it. example is the um, I'm looking on the Amazon webpage where you can do a preview. It gives you a preview of the hardcover version of the Gospel of John. Right. And I scrolled down to, I'm not sure what page it is, but it's the page where it's actually now, you're, you're now at the main text. It says, sure. Gospel according to, Gospel according to Hebrew John, which is interesting, kind of <laughs> chapter one. And then it says, in the beginning, comma, he was the word, comma, and the word, comma, he was with Elohim, comma, and the word, comma, he was Elohim. And then there's a bunch of footnotes that pepper that. Yeah. And if you look at um, 13, it says most manuscripts have the word etzel, which is Aleph Tzadi Lamed here, which can mean with, next to, or even an emanation of, as it is used in Kabbalah. For example, in the Zohar, he then proceeded to, and it talks about Atzilut. Atzilut is the Kabbalistic name for the world, what's called the world of emanation. There's four worlds in the in the Kabbalah. The this Atzilut is the guy you're going to trust? The domain of Ein Sof, right, is emanation. Okay, so they instantly bring, it show, this is their agenda. The agenda yeah. is to bring 13th century Spanish Kabbalah, which right. is develops in response to the Catholic church in Spain and to insert that to, to try time travel back 1300 years to the gospel of John and to then take a Hebrew translation of the Greek from the middle ages, also back in time. And now we're going to say that that there are um, whispers of Kabbalah in John chapter one. So now we've brought the Zohar into our reading of the gospel of John verse one, right? I'm not trying to laugh at like, oh man. And here's the thing. It's not even, that's not even how I sell. Yes, it looks the same. Aleph Zadi Lamed, but this is what we call, this is a um, folk etymology. This is folk Midrash. This is, they're trying to use, this is not scholarship. This isn't, if whoever trained this guy at, at Bari Lawn, this is ridiculous. Yeah, there's an, yeah, you said this the other day. I would be ashamed if I had, if I had trained someone to read Hebrew and I trained them according to like manuscripts and good scholarship and they produce something like this, I would be ashamed that that person was like, yeah. Okay. But, but you said something that got away. Hang on just a sec though. You said something interesting the other day, which is that the, that the, uh, a lot of the universities and the teachers in Israel have an agenda and, and not necessarily like they're trying to actually push the agenda, but that, but their perspective is, is that the rabbinic literature goes back to, to Moses. And so of course well, they're going to no. no. Well, no, no, no. They're, they're going to say, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I would say that the gospel it, in Israel today, in the institutions such as Hebrew University, 
they're going to read the Christianity as an, an a new invented religion for right. the lar- large part that the Christian church invented this religion that broke off from Judaism, that Judaism already existed. And then you had this break off. Now there are certain um, scholars like Israel Yuval at the Hebrew university, who's good. Uh, but, but if you look and the example is just go to, go to Qumran and you watch the video that every, everybody who goes to the site, archeological site of Qumran, get they, you know, they herd the people into this room with these big projectors and there's music and it's like this well-produced video that takes you back. And they have John the Baptist as like a member of the Qumran community who then defects and he breaks <laughs> right. his own, he breaks his vow yeah. to the community. Right. And then people leave and they come back to America thinking, Oh, you, I, you know, they go to their pastor and they're like, you know, John the Baptist was part of Qumran community or, or there was, what was the one up oh, uh, uh, in Nazareth? There's the, the the hill on the south side of Nazareth that looks over the Jezreel Valley. And there's a thing there, and it's in Hebrew and English and Arabic, and says this is where Jesus jumped down when like they were gonna they were gonna stone him, and he leapt from the mountain and landed <laughs> right. down in the valley and yeah, ran the away. Lore, oh, yeah. They're they're selling okay. some tickets, aren't they? So this is this is lore <laughs> from later, who knows yeah. where. And, but they put it and grave it into the placard there. Right. Yeah, of course. Okay. So who's interested is that's not an interest of edifying the church. Those two messages, the one for, and those are just two examples. One at, at uh, right. This is a state of Israel protected park. Qumran right. it's a national park, the, the Mount precipice in, in uh, Nazareth. And the, there's what I'm saying. It's a propaganda. Right. Of course. Propaganda that, it's not that it just doesn't edify the church. It actually hurts. hurts it actually sows seed. Right. Which are lies. Now, I don't think that's the state of Israel's, uh, that they're deli- maliciously doing that. I think sure. it's, it's people who they entrust, the, the, you know, quote, historians from like the Hebrew University. Because, and what this does, this inoculates the state against the claims of the gospel, because whenever someone goes to present the gospel, they're going to, people are going to, Oh, well, that's, you have the Lord, you know, Jesus jumped down from that Hill. No, I don't think so. John the Baptist. Yeah. He was just a, it's like a rewriting of history. That's, you know, that's my view. We, I, I got this, a guy. this is guilty of doing the same thing. This is the same thing. It's trying to bring the, the Zohar has no place yeah, of course. I, I I got a guy who I used to go to a congregation with, okay? And he denied the faith, and he went and studied with the Chabad. He, he got integrated into the Chabad. Now, since then, I don't know what's happened, but he's not part of them anymore. He's off doing his own thing, right? And not it's, living... It's probably an authority issue. He probably had yeah, the, the yeah. same authority issue came up there, too. But but the interesting <laughs> thing is, is that is that when I've tried to talk to him about various aspects of, of faith, whether it's Jewish or Christian or whatever... He has this worldview that is pushed by the Chabad, which is that the, the rabbinic literature goes all the way back to Moses and that uh, everything needs to be seen through the rabbinic literature. And I, I finally realized it's impossible to talk to him about anything of truth 
because he has this worldview. In other words, I'm looking at things from the perspective of, well, the rabbinic literature is late. It doesn't come around until the fourth century at best and later. But he's seeing this as, oh, Jesus was reading the mission in the Talmud. Does he, and, does he know Hebrew and Aramaic and I, Greek? No, no. I think that he has, you know, he, he learned some Hebrew from the Chabad, Right. So, I mean, he, he has a, a cursory understanding of, of what I would consider modern and Mishnahic Hebrew. But, but, but the point is, is that it comes down to the way that he's viewing Israel, the way that he's viewing the Mishnah and all this kind of stuff. And I see this, this same kind of mentality. It's not full blown in these guys, but like Garza and Trim and these guys, it's not that they're trying to be malicious. They genuinely believe that, that Jesus was, Jesus had the Mishnah. They believe that he was, he was, you know, the, the Talmudic passages that, that we see where it looks like he might be, uh, you know, arguing for something in the mission, in the Talmud, he, he was had a track date of the Talmud. They, these guys believe that. And that. That's, if that's true, that's, that's a shame. The, uh, but I have seen there's uh, Orthodox rabbis who I've seen there doing their teachings and they actually imagine that like King David had the Talmud. Right. How do you argue with somebody like that? How do you like, how do you debate with somebody like that? Because you're coming from two complete, I'm using reality and, and history to look Reply. at the sources. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the sources and the source text and saying the, you know, this, these rabbinic texts are clearly late and there's plenty yeah. of evidence for that. And we don't have any manuscripts prior to the 1100s of the Mishnah. And these guys are saying, oh no, it was there. In the you know, or at least at least the oral tradition was there, and like I'm sorry, we just don't have any evidence for that. So so the point is is that we're coming from two completely different things. So even if you know if Garza ever saw this or if Trim ever saw this, there would be no debate to be had. And the reason why is because once again, I'm coming from historical background. Well, I'd say back to the other point. I'd say show me the receipts. Show me a 10th century manuscript of the gospel of John or the gospel of Mark or something. Show me a 10th cent. This is what I want to see because they hint at it through here. Show me a 10th or ninth century manuscript that you think seems, because he used the word seems that seems to come from a Hebrew source. Show it. Say, this is what it is. This is the manuscript. This is what's on the text. This is how it relates to other manuscripts that are, of the same time and earlier well, in the, in different. Okay. Languages. But, but Rob, you and I both know that even if that happened, they're not going to do it. They can't produce but that. E let's say that they do produce it. Even if they do produce it, you and I both know that we would look at it and we would say, okay, great. You got a ninth century, you know, manuscript of John that, that says nothing that, that reads nothing back into the first century. You're talking oh, about agree, 900 no, years I, later. I agree. I'm just calling the bluff. I'm just saying. Sure. But don't my point, just, my don't point, just say, don't just hint at it. Show it. My Show point is, receipts. my point is, is that this right here has little bearing. This book has little bearing on, you know, what the 10 hundreds. My Biblia Hebraica Stucardensia really has little bearing on the, you know, I can open this up and say, see, look at this. But until I produce a manuscript, it, it that's back from the 10 hundreds. Now there are manuscripts back from the 10 hundreds for the Tanakh, which is, I mean, that's great. And we even have now manuscripts from the Dead Sea Scrolls. But the point is, is that a manuscript that you have 900 years later says nothing about, about what was going on in the first century. 
I mean, you would need to really show that that this came from a tradition that actually dated back to the first century. I don't think that's possible. Yeah, and how do you do that? You can only do that by comparing it with what what, right. you, what we already know. Right. Exactly. And, and so, the fact so th that he has all these footnotes that show that there's different ways of translating, like the particle or, or the uh, preposition with, is it etzel? Is it et? What is it? shows that it's not a solid tradition. It's a translation tradition. They're looking at different Hebrew translations and they're comparing with each other. And then they bring the Zohar into it. It's the most irresponsible. It's that's, you know, it that's, that's the word. It is similar to Heiser. It's, it's similar irresponsible. To Heiser, yeah. I, I agree with it's, you on that. It's similar to Heiser. It's, it's um, slight. There's a, there's a sleight of hand. Yeah. That is happening that sadly it seems that many within the church are, they don't see the sleight of hand. They don't see but how they, the magic trick works. And so that's they the, end up. That's the question. Who are the people who are, who are, are reading this and saying, oh, look, this goes back to the first century. I mean, are people, no offense if you're one of these people, but really can't you, I mean, can't we as, as logically thinking people look at what is being claimed here and say, they say that they have uh, manuscripts from the ninth century that clearly, I mean, logically, can't we just go through the steps? That clearly means that they're not talking about first century manuscripts. Therefore, how does that claim relate to the first? I mean, can't we just logically go through this? Who's looking at this and saying, oh my word, this goes back to the first century. Because some dude said it on YouTube. I mean, I just don't like, even if he's well-educated, it doesn't matter. You have to, you have to show proof. And, and ultimately, not that it's always going to go this way, but ultimately it's feeding, it's helping a puffed up mind who's already got an attitude against the church and an attitude against the canon. And, and maybe, oh yeah, the Greek, Jesus never spoke Greek. <laughs> right. These silly Christians. They don't even understand. Oh, they say his, that in the intro, by the way. His name was Yeshua. And so what they, it feeds them to, to feel like, oh yeah, see, I don't have to listen to this teacher. I don't have to listen to this, this pastor because he thinks it was written in Greek. <laughs> you know, Silly the, pastor. You know, you know, one of the reasons I really respect it. And then it. they claim they don't have to actually do any work themselves, but they just, they just leverage. Oh, well, this guy said, and it's, to me, it's, it's hiding to me. It's there's unrepentant sin. That's that's my. I mean, if the, we go to the core of the issue, it's unrepentant sin, and they I mean, use I'm this not, as smokescreen to redirect attention. Away I'm not going to go that far. From, but what I, I, I will, I will, fairly. But what I'm going to say mankind is, mankind has a sin problem. We all have a sin problem. One of the that's, reasons that's that I, the core issue here. And if of, you're unre, if an unredeemed heart can do all this kind of stuff and sell, and it, what it is, it's a distraction. The question is, are you laboring to the edification of Yeshua's flock? Or are you laboring to make a name for yourself and and fleece the flock? And I say this does not cut the mustard as edification for Yeshua's flock. I, that's I'm just point one of blank. the yeah one of the reasons that I really respected uh, R.C. Sproul was because R.C. Sproul had a way of taking really large theologies and breaking them down for for the average. And it person. didn't have to say Doctor R.C. or Sproul or R.C. Sproul Ph.D. With I mean, list, I, it's the Okay, neither here nor there. My point is simply this, is that R.C. Sproul, look, I, I mean, I can understand why a person would be proud of, of, of getting a PhD. That's a large accomplishment. Yeah, but, there's, uh, I, there's nothing wrong but, with that. The point is, it's <laughs> produce value for Yeshua's flock 
that's that's what that's what it's about. Whether you got a PhD or whether you're whatever, whatever your job, produce value for Yeshua's flock. That's that's what we have to do. That's producing fruit for the kingdom. Okay, I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a few seconds. I agree with you completely, but at the same time, these guys, Trim and uh, Garza, these guys believe that. I mean, they're in that camp that believes you can read rabbinic literature back into the first century. They believe what they're doing is perfectly uh, giving value to the flock. I mean, I don't think that there's anything nefarious in their in their motives. Yeah, I, I disagree. I disagree. I disagree. You're, you're a tribute. You're saying they have innocent motive. You're, you're, you're assuming I, yeah. they, they have an innocent motive. I say, no, I say it's a sinful motive. I, I just have, a, I have a different view. I think it's unrepent. There's unrepentant sin and that they're masking it with this, with this nonsense. But I mean, do we say that about anybody who has bad theology? This Caleb, I'm telling you, man, this, that these are p- people who are dug in. Trim has been doing this for 25, 30 years. Oh, I agree. But, but I think that that, I think that that's a, that's a, a, uh, a, just a chink in the bat. I mean, he's bought into bat, a bad, a bad starting point. And I think yeah, a lot of people I, do I, that. I think, I think at, at, at some level, these people know better and they're, but they're, they're drowning out their own conscience with, with this fake, fake excitement. That's, this is my take. Interesting. I don't think I agree with that, but that's okay. Um, so you just want to say they have, in, they're just in, they're innocent. I think that uh, we they all just have, don't know any better. Yeah. That's what you're, they just don't know any better. I, th- I think that we all have, uh, you know, there are all places of our theology where we might not be 100% correct. And so we all have those places. And I think that Trim and Garza have have been sold a bag of goods. They've believed it. And so they are teaching from that bag of goods. Yeah, now, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think in my view, Trim created the bag of goods. He wasn't sold it. That might be true. He advanced it. He advanced it. And I mean, we, remember back way, way back. He This is like 20 years ago or more. He was like this Rabbi Joseph feature. He had this pseudonym. I think it was Rabbi Joseph. And he was trying to integrate Mormonism with Messianism. It's so silly. It's just so silly. I mean, I agree with you that it's silly. It's ridiculous. But keep going. I mean, that's that. But you don't think that he really believes it? I think I, I think he yeah, whether he really believes it or not. Doesn't matter. It's not the truth. What matters is <laughs> what matters. Is he really concerned about Yeshua's flock? And I would say, I, I mean, once again, I, 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 I say I no, I, I say no. Well, bad Why? because, the, I, because it's because it, his ideas lead to division. His ideas lead to people doubting the apostolic scriptures the ideas lead to inserting 13th, 14th, and later century Kabbalah into where it doesn't belong. Right. And, and I also, agree, not I agree. only that, Trim had a, I think he went through the whole Tanya, which is the core Chabad textbook of, of uh, what's his name? Shunir Zalman of Leity from the 18, early 1800s. He goes through that and as if it's authoritative. 
Like to me, that's evil. I'm sorry. You trying to but that feed doesn't mean Yeshua's- he doesn't believe it. That doesn't mean he doesn't believe it. It doesn't mean that he doesn't believe what he's doing. Caleb, the Chabad's believe what they're doing. I agree with you. Yeah, but that doesn't mean I'm going. Oh, they. I, I'm not going to just say. Oh, well, that, that's harmless. To Yeshua's I'm not flock. saying. Oh, I'm not saying it's not harmless. That's not what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I'm saying they are harming Yeshua's flock. I agree with that. And if you're harming Yeshua's flock. That means they haven't been corrected by the Ruach HaKodesh in that manner. They haven't been corrected by Yeshua, which means they are not serving his flock. That You can't serve Yeshua's flock and be inserting this kind of stuff and feeding the, the world where you're mixing Kabbalah from, whether it's from the Zohar, from the 13th, 14th century, or early Chabad texts from the 18th century and mixing that with the gospels and telling people there's no, this is all on the same. These ideas are all on the same plane. That to me, I mean, I, I, I agree with, I agree with you that that's wrong. I, I agree that they're not feeding the, the flock. So who are they? So, so then let's just say they have good intentions. So they have sheep there and they're a shepherd. Sure. And they're just, they're just feed. What are they feeding their flock? Poison junk food. Would you yeah. feed your, if you had a pet you loved, would you feed it junk food? Would you feed your animals Cheetos every day in and day out or cake? Well, oh, the dog seems to like that sweet cake. Let's just give it cake every day. Cause look, the dog likes cake. What's going to happen to the dog? I'm not saying that they're not feeding, feeding uh, poison. They are feeding poison. But what I'm saying is, is that I, do, I, I don't look at these guys and think these guys have nefarious, like they're sitting there wringing their hands going, I'm going to, fe-, you know, I'm going to feed poison to these people. They really believe what they're teaching. I agree. They probably, I, I would say they probably, I, I would say this, they believe there's something there. There's oh, something yeah. here that's important. Yeah. yeah. But what I would say is they don't, they don't have the discernment to know what's important and what's not. And so what I they would do is they that. end up throwing things at the wall. And what they feel at a deep level is there's something here that's really important that's not being talked about, and I need to talk about it. Okay, fine. But do it methodologically. If you want to say, look, this is back to the point. If you find a 10th century manuscript of the Gospel of John, then publish it rightly to where it's bring the light to it, right? Bring it to the light. And then everybody says, oh, oh, look at this. It's like, it's the same thing with those inscriptions, right? They find some inscript, ancient inscription that's just like a couple scratches. Right. And what they do, and this is that, that uh, what's his name? Um, Galil, Galil at uh, Haifa, University of Haifa. What he does, he publishes this thing from Mount Ebal or whatever, or wherever it was, but he doesn't let anybody see it. He right. just he he publishes his drawing and then he right. gives his he gives his translation and then he says, see, here we got da, 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 da. he makes these grand claims and he's a university professor in Israel. Right. But then you have all the, the legit Hebrew uh, epi, uh, scholars of ancient Hebrew epigraphy and, and inscriptions. And they're like, this is ridiculous. This guy makes these bold claims. He gets these. Uh, sensationalist headlines on major news outlets, but he doesn't show the receipts. And and what the, every time, every time this happens, there's a whole history of this. What happens eventually? It comes out that the legit scholars of, uh, of 
of the community of what we call peer review all look at the same thing. Okay, let's all look at the same thing now, but without the agenda that the guy who led and right. led it. And and there's what you see is they they tear it apart, <laughs> right? Yeah, and they show all the places where he jumped to conclusions. Right. And then some people even show completely alternative interpretations that are equally as demonstrable. And, yeah, I, and, I mean, I'm, I'm with you on all that. I'm with you on so all that. So these guys are not, these guys have not been shaped to, in terms of the character of their scholarship. They have not been shaped by that rigorous discipline. I would agree with that. That's, that's, and, I, I, uh, I would certainly agree with that. All right. If you agree or if you disagree, <laughs> let us know. 253 465 It's 253 465 You can also no shoot us an email. Money. <laughs> at 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 Help us gain content for the next 100 shows. Uh, congrats, Rob, on your 400 shows. Congratulations, Caleb. Thanks, man. Thank I appreciate you. it. Well, we hope that this show and all the past have done one thing. That is to it's glorify our great God and Savior. Yeshua the Messiah. Is- all up to top, baby. <laughs> <laughs>